0: As the over a third team, we would like to begin today's podcast by acknowledging the traditional custodians of the land on which we are recording today, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation and the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nations. We would like to pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging, and we extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who have shaped and contributed to netball over the decades.
1: Hello and welcome back to the Over a Third Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Dan. And tonight the revolving door has swung again. Steph's back in the hot seat. Ariana's back on the bench. How are you, Steph?
0: <laughs> Dan, I'm much better than I was last week. <laughs> Still on the mend, but have, you know, the energy to get out of bed, which is very exciting. I'll um, take that. Yep. <laughs> step up um and you know i can't wait for some real rumors to start that ariana and i are actually feuding because this revolving door is just getting ridiculous
1: i have to dispel those rumors before they start but (laughs) you're right it is ridiculous um and by the sounds of it it's going to be another week of revolving door but pre grand final we're all going to get in a room i think and at the grand final, we're all going to be in the same room as well. So that'll be good fun as well.
0: I know. What a privilege that will be to all watch the grand final together in person.
1: Well, <laughs> oh, and it's it's not far away now. We're in finals now. It's it's the real season.
0: Yes, indeed. The home and away season has wrapped and we've got three games less left, rather, of Suncorp Super Netball for 2023.
1: I'm pretty sure there's four, but we can go with that.
0: Oh, my God. Forgot the prelim title.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, we've only got one team going home this weekend, not two. (laughs) But (laughs) we are very much at the business end of the season. Um, And there's been a fair bit happening since we last got on the pod. We've had half an industrial relations dispute. We've had a World Cup squad. We've had a bid for an eighth license. We've said farewell to an eighth license. And we've had four games of netball. So, Steph, where do you want to start?
0: Oh, my gosh. All right. I reckon let's start with the CPA and Diamond Squad
1: update. Oh, so PR disaster number one for last week. (laughs) So to recap, as we recorded last week, we are told that Netball Australia had informed the ANPA that they would not announce the Diamond Squad for the World Cup until the Players Association signed a three-year CPA to manage the Diamonds players' uh, playing deal over the next three years. The ANPA had refused, and we had a words of war brewing. Um, since we have recorded... Um, On Friday, it was announced that uh, Netball Australia and the ANPA would sign an interim agreement um, which would run through to the end of August, which gives basically enough coverage to play the World Cup. And then on Monday, we had a diamond squad announced. We understand plays were told Friday, and it's fair to say that that was pretty clear based on some of the play over the weekend. Um, But I think all up, this is worse than a bloody nose from a PR perspective for Netball Australia. It's somewhere between embarrassing and terrible. Um, I think to have a scandal like this is really poor. For the scandal to be resolved by something like an interim agreement that not only was kind of quite reasonable but the most obvious solution from well before the beginning um, and the fact that it was let to get to this situation is unconscionable. And I think that there needs to be some serious repercussions for whoever was managing the negotiation if that was the tactic they used, given this was the outcome. So we had thought that perhaps an interim agreement wasn't allowed, and that was why we had this stalemate. But the fact that an interim agreement was signed in the end tells us that was always on the table, and therefore the fact that it ever got anywhere near this is just completely unacceptable.
0: Yeah, it is. (laughs) Phenomenal to <laughs> on the last week and just be kind of absolutely flabbergasted by what Netball Australia was trying to manoeuvre. Like, um, I just don't understand. I don't understand how they thought this was really gonna end any other way when we have the world's best netballers. Um, and you're either going to threaten to not send a team to the World Cup after Fox's advertising, we've never missed a final at the World Cup. Um, and, you know, the game doesn't go on without these elite performers. Like, just don't know yeah. What that, yeah.
1: yeah. I mean, and to me, this just kind of says that we are at a serious low point in the relationships between the PA and netball Australia. And that's a big concern because they're going to sign two CPAs by the end of the year. Now one for the diamonds, because I cannot see them signing another interim agreement for con cup and quad series later in the year. And then they've got to do a super netball one because that's up at the end of September. And there is a lot of frustration on both sides. There is a lot of frustration in the people who are getting pulled through the middle of this. And those are the players, um, and understandably something I the players are the ones who in the headlines read greedy players thank you news corp um they're not being greedy they want a pay rise commensurate with one inflation and two the increased value that they offer to the sport as leading women in sport in a time where women's sport is not on the rise but on the meteoric rise and it's not fair that they get dragged through this because the politics is so bad on both sides that we're not even seeing good faith negotiations anymore.
0: Yes. I, uh, You know, I'm a very biased pro-collective um, bargaining kind of person, Gail. <laughs> <laughs> we'll
1: we did note that last week.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I just think that from, from what I've seen in the media in terms of what the netball players association is putting out, it's fairly sensible. And I, you know, I fully can kind of understand that netball Australia's financials are still a big um, work in progress, Uh, but you do not have a sport. You do not have the number one competition in the world without these players. And again, I know the diamonds is a slightly a separate issue, but they've pushed them together um and it's just like what how what are we saying to our pathway players what are we saying to um grassroots players uh what are we saying to people who want to play elite women's sport like this is just a ridiculous ridiculous situation
1: um, well and i think it's important to understand kind of what the two sides are looking for so netball australia is still significantly in debt they've got debt obligations that are now payable in early 2025 or mid 2025, the players association wants a revenue sharing model, which means that they and the players essentially get a share of the money that netball Australia makes, which is largely from the players activities themselves. Now netball Australia have said that a revenue sharing model is not viable and that they have a financial report or an independent report to prove it. And Honestly, I understand. If you've got significant debt, maybe a revenue sharing agreement's not possible because you have to pay your debts first, otherwise you're insolvent. But then you can't be demanding that players sign a three-year agreement. You can't have your cake at it. You can't say to the players, well, we're not giving you what you want and we want to lock you in long-term into a position you don't want to be in. You know, if you can't sign a revenue share agreement, offer a one-year deal get the players on the ground, get them signed now and say, we'll revisit in a year when the financial position is different and work out if it's viable then. But you can't then demand that it's a three-year deal or or locking them out, which I'm not an employment lawyer, but I'm pretty sure that's on sketchy ground because that's a retaliation to a protected action and it doesn't sound like there was a protected action here, which is a really important nuance that is probably not the subject of this podcast but in short a lockout like what netball australia proposing was definitely unreasonable and possibly illegal
0: yeah not a lawyer of any sort but that has been the understanding of the interpretation i've seen from people who are lawyers (laughs) (laughs) in this space um and yeah i mean i just Good good for the Players Association and the players for sticking together to bring Netball Oz back to its sen- senses. Um, still a little bit sad we didn't get to see some actual protected action happening from the players. I would have been all for that. Um, but, I mean, it's good to have that resolution now. And we have a diamond squad out in the world that everyone knows.
1: <laughs> we do. And we should probably talk about it. Indeed. So, in the end, we had... 12 players named, as every other team going to the World Cup has. The four shooters that were named are Steph Wood, Kara Conan, Kira Austin, and Sophie Garvin. The four mid-quarters are Liz Watson, who's the captain, Paige Hadley, Ash Brazzle, and Jamie Lee Price. And the four defenders are Courtney Bruce, Sarah Cloud, Joe Weston, and Sunday Ariang. The three trailing reserves are Danelle Wallam, Kate Maloney, and Ruby Kuldora. And so, in essence, there's actually only one player who was not in the uh, 15 that were involved in the Commonwealth Games, um, who is here, and that's Sophie Garvin, of course, in place of Gretel Pueda, who is out with pregnancy. The reserves at each end, Danelle Wallen and Ruth Equadorum, were both the reserves, 12 months ago at the Common Games. And Jamie Lee Price and Kate Maloney have swapped spots in terms of who's the reserve and who's in the midcourt.
0: Yes, and although the reserves were slightly different for Comm Games where they were those kind of training partners rather than the kind of official reserve we are going to see for the first time at Netball World Cup. Um, so very interesting, I think, different kind of mental challenge for those reserves um, come this World Cup. Um, but I think, you know, not a particularly shocking squad. I think the most, yeah, the, the real two big changes are Garvin going in. I think, you know, personally, I still really question that based on the performances we've seen from Sophie Garvin and Danelle Wallam across the length of this 2023 Suncorp Super Netball season. Um Again, I think as we said when a couple of episodes ago, when we were doing our squad predictions, I'm not necessarily surprised that's the outcome. But um, I think I think it's I think there are questions there. But I look forward to eating my questions. Hopefully, come World Cup <laughs> uh, when I'll be watching from the sidelines in South Africa. Um, and yeah, same with same with Jamie Lee Price and Kate Maloney. I think there's good evidence for that swap. I'm sad to see Kate Maloney be the reserve rather than in the actual squad. I think you could have kept her. She's the only one from the Com game squad that actually, I you know, really has been dropped out of the actual team, yeah. um, which I think is is hard for a player to have to work through. Yeah. Um, but you know, as we've discussed throughout the season as well, there's a lot of good people that did just miss out, including Amy Parmenta and Maddie Proud, who absolutely were banging on that door as well. So still, still absolutely you know, phenomenal to be named in the 15 um, and the 12. Sad for Kate to be the, the one that misses.
1: <laughs> yeah. I think Kate Maloney is the, the big talking point. Um, as the one who kind of dropped out of the 12 who was available for selection. And I think we've talked about this at different times this year that, you know, she has at times struggled with form. She's been thrown out of it. I think she's in some ways, the victim of a, a Vixen's mid court that hasn't been at its best this year. And the captain, is not going to be the one facing the chop for that? So that kind of meant that it was always going to be Maloney if someone did pay the price for that form. And Jamie Lee Price has been strong this year and really came out of the blocks like someone had lit a fire under her after missing out on comp games. And I think this is a squad that would have sent chills down everyone watching. I think Nolene Torua, as confident as she is in her silver ferns, would not have been thrilled to see this. I think she probably would have hoped to see Stacey Minkovich takes some gambles on players who haven't got that big game experience. I think Jess Thurlby looks at that and goes, there's a couple of players who are going to really trouble some of mine. And uh, I think that that puts the Diamonds in a good spot to be in.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think definitely this is, you know, pretty much the gold medal winning squad from last year um, from Com Games. So hopefully they can go out and do it again. I do wonder though if there is an aspect to which, you know, where you know, what are the big sort of um have, have have the diamonds done this, tried and tested it, and has everyone worked it out now? Or has have the big big opposition will they be able to work it out come this com games, particularly missing Gretel Buetta, who, you know, hands down when she's been playing for the Diamonds in the last couple of years is best netballer in the world.
1: Well, especially given that uh, another player in goal attack has laid a pretty strong claim to that position this year, um, who unfortunately is not going to be wearing the Diamonds colours.
0: No. (laughs) Helen Helsby will be in a very different (laughs) colour.
1: She does like the red, though. That's a a theme in her life. (laughs) True. Right, we've got lots more to talk about. Where do you want to go next, Steph?
0: Um, Molly Jovic, I think, and the Collingwood Magpies. uh, Jovic, unfortunately, did sustain a pretty, by the looks of it, serious injury in um, the derby against uh, the Vixens and ended up having surgery throughout the week on her arm. Sadly, we did not get to see her take the court for the Magpies final game, let alone take the court in goal attack as Ariana was calling for last episode.
1: <laughs> I think in Ariana's defence, had she known that Molly Jovic was going to have pins in her arms by game day, she probably wouldn't have been calling for her to play goal attack He would have instead been calling her to be in rehab. So yeah. let's not make Ariana out to be sadistic or cruel. She was just hopeful.
0: She was hopeful. She was a hopeful little butterfly. Um... I, and I think, I mean, to have pins in your arm is pretty big. I would be interested to see what Molly's career has in store for her after this point.
1: I don't think it's a big deal. As someone who's got 13 pins in their shoulder, like I'm not fast. <laughs> like it it took me six weeks for the bone to heal and since then it's been fine. I am very confident that Molly's surgeon is as qualified, if not more so than mine. Um, and I don't think it'll have an effect on her career. I think it is an interesting question about where she goes next, but I don't link that question to her um, I think that's a, a bigger picture question that existed before the Melbourne Derby.
0: Very fair. Um, and But, yeah, we have now seen the last minutes of the Collingwood Magpies Netball Club. Um, you know, they went out with a win, which... It was a sort of shocking turn of events, for in my mind. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, that there there lies Collingwood netball.
1: <laughs> there, there lies Collingwood netball. <laughs> the Collingwood netball club is dead. Long with the Collingwood netball club is is that what we're going with?
0: Well, we're not going with the second half of that sentence. <laughs> <laughs> wow.
1: But uh, I think yeah, I mean the I think it was hard for the last few weeks for players, for fans, for followers of the sport with the Magpies in this not just strange limbo of is our club going to exist next year, but actually once they got past it of, no, it's not. So let's just play out the string for the hell of it kind of thing. And, you know, kudos to the Magpies who actually played really well throughout I do have some massive questions about why the best netball we saw from the Collingwood bagpipes was after the death warrant had been signed and executed and why we didn't see it at any time before.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I had the exact same thought. Um, you know, I think I was very frustrated, probably unfairly, but um, Maddie Brown in, comment- in commentary did sort of make that that comment of like, oh, it's a bit sad that we can't see where this group could go after this great netball we saw against Fever. And it's just like, well, why didn't we see it in round three? Like,
1: Or four or five or six or seven or eight or nine or 10 or 11.
0: Exactly. And it's kind of like, I do not think there is, if Collingwood Netball had made finals this year, I do not think we would be saying There lies collingwood netball in a cemetery i think if if collingwood had made finals we'd be having a very different conversation and now we've just seen i don't know a nice goodbye (laughs) like okay good good job
1: yeah i I don't really have any parallels for what it's like to watch a team fold i mean i'm too young to remember the brisbane bears folding um or the Fitzroy alliance which you know is is probably the closest comparison of watching a team that you know wasn't quite on death's door for a while, and then all of a sudden it was just no longer feasible. But it it leaves us with a lot of questions about Collingwood, about the players, about the eighth club, about the future of those players, and many of the pathway athletes, and. Yeah, I think it's a, a really sorry situation and and probably actually strong on court results. Probably avoid the situation. I think you're right. I think we're not sitting here talking about it if Collingwood are uh, one of the teams that we do about playing on Saturday night. Yeah.
0: And the eighth license has uh, caused a few ruffles <laughs> this week. Well, that's
1: it? one word for it. Wow. <laughs> so since we last recorded, we're gonna do another, you know, big recap on this. Um, netball victoria put out a statement in the media saying that they were grumpy that everyone else was allowed to bid they thought that they should have been entitled to only bid on that or anyone in victoria only um given that the magpies were a victorian club but the state of the victorian pathway was such that they are strong enough for two teams and then we had the deadline for the applications yesterday as we record Um, And in the hours before that, um, we had Jeff Locke from Belgravia Sports and Netball Tasmania both announced that they weren't putting in bids. Uh, Netball Tassie because they couldn't get the timing right and Belgravia Sports more concerningly because they said the numbers didn't stack up on the financials. I think that is a big red flashing warning sign. But does make me think that given that we heard earlier that the Titans and Canberra, and Geelong weren't putting in bids now, and West Coast, or well, Perth, WA, weren't putting in a bid. Was the second bid that they were worried about from South Australia, the Netball Association that cannot afford to refurb their court and stadium from the tin shack that it currently is. They're not funding a second Super Netball team. I can't see New South Wales funding a third. Can't see Queensland funding a third. So. I mean, Netball Australia's uh, media release said that they're excited about the number of applications made. Uh, I would like to remind everyone that both zero and one are in fact numbers. (laughs) We don't know the exact number, but there is a fair chance that it is less than two.
0: Uh, Secret Dark Horse, Fremantle, putting in a bid for (laughs) for a team, that would make my life very uncomfortable if Fremantle
1: suddenly had a netball team i was going to ask if freer had a netball team steph how would you go about it as a dyed-in-the-wool vixens fan whose blood actually runs purple from Fremantle. Yeah.
0: yeah it's also it's also interesting because by uh it was the melbourne phoenix that i was originally a fan of purple and i've adopted loughborough lightning and the northern stars as my netball teams overseas because they're purple so it's uh i don't know i don't know what i would do dad but uh yeah. are you
1: not thinking about becoming a, a moving to brisbane maybe for your netball fandom
0: no but after COVID, <laughs> <laughs> after covid i did buy a second membership and it was for the queensland my five because i wanted to give more money back to the sport as they were recovering from covid um but I've since let that membership lapse and returned to just funding the vixens.
1: Um, Beck Bully, if you're listening, there's a, <laughs> another member you can get. Just you know, DM the podcast and we'll tee it up.
0: Yeah. Um, anyway, that's enough about my strange membership. <laughs> <laughs> Deep dive. Um,
1: if you're a listener and have a second membership, please reply to this, telling us who. I'd be really curious as to who your first and your second membership is, and whether there's a lot of people who, like me, their two teams are geographically proximate or whether you've picked a team that is as far around the country from where your home team is so you don't have to worry about the local derby.
0: Well, I mean, obviously, I couldn't buy a Collingwood Magpies membership. <laughs> That'd be ridiculous. I couldn't buy either of the Sydney ones. That would also be ridiculous as a Melbourneian. <laughs>
1: so... so you were left with the Melbourne Storms satellite team. <laughs> the purple team, the pink team, and the Fever.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I, you know, I think I wanted to back a state, state team, um, and somehow the Firebirds <laughs> gave them some money.
1: <laughs> um, Ariana, or whoever's editing this, um, can we title this "Steph secretly a Firebirds fan"? What?
0: <laughs> no, <laughs> the slander, the slander.
1: But we are expected to hear about the eighth license in the next two weeks. So Nepal Australia's statement, the one that said that they were happy about the number of formal applications also said that they expect or hope to make a decision in the next fortnight, which would put an announcement smack bang in the lead up to the grand final, which great way to build PR ahead of a final especially if the potential is for two out-of-state teams to be playing in the grand final in Victoria, if you could announce a Victorian team, that would go a great deal to building up some pump for the media for netball for the week because it is hard to engage two interstate fan bases in Melbourne. And we know this because we see it in the AFL grand final every so often. Um, Steph, if the eighth team is a Victorian team and, from what we hear there's a strong potential it's a regional victorian team is that your third membership coming up
0: (laughs) oh i don't know i don't know i'd have to see i think you know in my dream world netball victoria gets the eighth license they set up a regional team they bring in Norma plumber for two years and you know some assistant coach who will take after take over after Norma plumber for two years um maybe you know, if you if you give me a netball second team with Norma Plummer as the coach, that's tempting.
1: <laughs> you know what? It's a more compelling pitch than some of the other things I've heard over the last few weeks about the eighth team. There's a coherent plan. There's a key figurehead to build early on. There's a succession plan. You've got something to attract players with. You've got a reputation. You know, if you can make the commercials work, I think you might be able to steal the eighth bid there.
0: Yeah, I know. <laughs> Oh, you know, never give me a job. I'm here. <laughs> yeah, the, the bench, Literally you know, being bench official and put me in corporate. I'm here to make it work. I've got a vision. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I'll tell you something about vision. I imagine there is a lot of it being watched this week in Adelaide and in Sydney after last Saturday's matchup between the Swifts and the T-Birds. Both teams after the match actually commented on the fact that it was really hard to prepare because they only had 30 minutes of vision from last time they took each other on and it was such a different stage of the season. But I'd say we got our money's worth with this 60 minutes because it was it was something. I, I'm not quite sure of the word for it, but it was something.
0: <laughs> I mean, it was pretty wild. We saw an absolute, I mean, I don't know. I don't know, is it plan? Plan B, new plan, like Thunderbirds putting Shamira Sterling out to goalkeeper and Latanya Wilson back, sorry, Shamira Sterling out to goal defence and putting Latanya Wilson back to goal defence. We frequently do see Sterling at goalkeeper. That one was not as <laughs> um, <laughs> But the surprise. What? effective it um you know really mixed things up uh that was very exciting to see that i don't know plan roll of the dice where tanya ob's vision boarding come to fruition um i had an interesting reflection thinking back on our conversations post the draw where i do think that it was unexpected to see the Thunderbirds lose at this point in the season. Uh, sorry, the Thunderbirds win. Oh, my God. I need to screw my head back on. I'm sorry, listeners. <laughs> um, but after the draw, I do recall sort of feeling that the Thunderbirds were about to take the momentum of that game and that yeah. the Thunderbirds were going to come home and win that game. The Swifts we have since seen throughout the season I am. Ne- I was therefore shocked to see the Thunderbirds win this game, but also upon that reflection of the draw, maybe it shouldn't have been as much of a shock.
1: Yeah, I think when we looked back at the draw and we thought about it, we all kind of decided the Swifts hadn't found their feet and the T-Birds hit the ground running this season. And so that was why we'd all just made the assumption that, yeah, T-Birds are going to win that one, but this one was coming back the other way. The, the thing for me, and, and I have it written all over my game notes. And I asked Brian e about it afterwards is that I was using the F word to describe the Swifts' play for much of the game. And that F word is frantic and it's very unswifts. Like the Swifts all year all you know, it's in their genes. It's in their DNA. The Swiss are calm. They are collected. They are patient. And this was frantic. The T-Birds just did something to them. They, they completely clogged the middle of the court. They forced them to throw across channels, across court. And you could see Bryony pulling her hair out at it. They really confused the space in the circle. There are a lot of balls thrown away at circle edge. There are a lot of balls that were deflected or off target going into the circle or at the edge of the circle. And that was the frantic that the T-Birds introduced, both in the minds of the feeders, as they brought the ball to Circle Edge and then also the doubt they put in it once they got there to get it in. If they can do that again, they're going to be very hard to stop. And I don't care if it's Janiel Fowler or Romel and george or anyone else back there. If their T-birds make you frantic, they win. And it's on the Swifts this week to make sure they don't.
0: Yeah, I think that's um, pretty fair. I I like your... uh... (laughs) G-rated F-word. I think throughout this round, we saw maybe a couple of mouths using the more well-known F-word. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Including probably some in this game.
0: Yeah, some in this game, some in the Fever game, some from players yeah, at least from the core.
1: I saw a player with blood coming from her head use it in the Queenside derby, and I know some players used it in the fourth game as well.
0: Yeah, I, was, uh, I, was, I think we did a few steps, very, uh, very different uh, vibes. But, um, yeah, that's fair. I think it's a very unusual Swift's outlook. I was also very interested to see um, when the rotations of Fawns and Housby and Aiken George were being utilised throughout the match. There were a few times where maybe, yeah, well, we saw um, Helen Housby go to the bench, including in the last quarter, for a good five minutes. Um, I think we saw Romilda Aiken george maintain more of a presence throughout the Power Five on court. Um, There were still a lot of rotations to have Sophie Fawns come on. But, um, yeah, I I, again reflect on my own thinking in terms of providing stability when your team's under threat by keeping Romilda on court versus continually kind of having the revolving... (laughs) the swift zone revolving door
1: with sophie coming onto court i think it was interesting that there were times where actually the swift's best ball movement was with houseby on the bench Mm. um and that was in part because of the way sophie fawns went about playing the goal attack position so helen's obviously that dominant all around the court player but sophie doesn't have the the same physicality the same ability to break towards the pockets and so she'd often get stuck much closer to the transfer site, And what we saw as a result was launching feeds long into mildur and George against Shamira Sterling one out, no double team, no support, no space confusion because there was just acres and acres of it. And it was actually really effective at times. And I wonder whether that's something that the Swiss will have looked at and circled and said, well, that's plan B this weekend. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and uh, on sort of the flip side of the court, some very interesting lineups and rotations with the Thunderbirds. Um, you know, we saw Hannah Petty start the game, uh, which we haven't for quite a long period of time, even even before sort of having um, having a few niggles and injuries she had to deal with. Taylor Williams was really making her mark there. So interesting to see in that last last game as we headed to finals, that captain's back to a starting position. Um, and then, yeah, the sort of Shamira Sterling to goal defence, the Latania Wilson, much shorter in comparison, back to goalkeeper on, you know, often an Aiken George was spicy.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, there was a lot to watch, and I'll be really interested to see what happens this weekend. And you and I talked off air Um and I said that you know, as much as I think that Tanya Hobbs did a great job in taking the win, I think actually it might be an Advantage Briny at this point because we haven't seen any cards from the Swifts yet. Really, we didn't. We didn't see much other than House been taking a seat for five minutes. We didn't see anything we hadn't already seen this year. Whereas the T-Birds did give us some fairly large hints about some of the other things that they can do. And I wonder whether now the Swiss have seen it, they'll have a plan. And then, of course, after that game, we had, I'm going to call it the, the, do we call it the Pies Funeral, the, the the wake for the Pies, like the last ever game for Collingwood Netball.
0: Yeah. Uh, And yeah, I mean, uh, last week, a week and a half ago, when I was, you know, trying to game out how the Vixens might still get A home final. At no point did I ever consider or entertain the fact of Fever losing this game. (laughs) Um, I I would like
1: to point out that I did.
0: All right. (laughs) One point to Daniel. Where's all our our TikToks of me wiping the floor with you on (laughs) fire?
1: We should point out that the score is currently about 15 to 1 now. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, I think this as a whole... It wasn't just that Collingwood won, though. I think it was the way that they did that they looked in control for long parts of this game. Sophie Garvin was the most dominant player on court, and no one had that on their bingo card this week. Um, and Ash Braz in centre, which is obviously not something we saw at this stage of last week because we thought Wally Jovic was going to be playing, but she was dominant in centre Um I think she brought a really calm element. And I think that's like that Jovic and Brown sometimes egg each other on to get frantic and they get kind of helpless or through out of control and Braz brings a bit more calm there. So I think that really worked in their favor towards the end of the match.
0: Yeah. I think um, we saw a really good game from Braz. We have seen her um, clock a couple of minutes in center throughout the season, but Often her feeds would be a bit um, haywire and her ball movement would be a bit um, scattergun. So it was, yeah, it was good to see her sort of take control. And potentially that's, you know, I'm sure that they've trained with Braz in centre throughout the whole season, but actually having a whole week to prepare to play that role um, seems to have done her very good. Um, and there were a fun few tricksy bounce passes throughout the midcourt and moving the ball around from, from Braz that I loved. I mean, they were terrifying. I'm a big hater of the bounce pass outside the goal circle. But uh, um, Braz just made them look smooth. Would recommend people going back and just watching for the bounce passes.
1: I was going to say, I'm sure you're on record as not being a fan of the bounce pass. but
0: Absolutely. The worst.
1: <laughs> I'll take it here. I think, I don't know what the fever take out of this game. Um, This was Collingwood playing on emotion, on the wave of relief, sadness, grief, the, the whole kit and caboodle. And I don't think it was a tactical thing. I think it was a heart thing. And while that's a concern for the fever, that it, you know, in the football cliche, and yes, I'm going to use it. They just wanted it more. But I do wonder. I think the fever are maybe not hitting the same form that they started this year with. They're definitely not the same form they finished last year with. And there should be some panic stations this weekend um, because there's a chance that they lose and go out straight away.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I um, do not
1: actively rooting for it. Don't
0: lie. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, maybe. I mean, maybe. Um, but I do think, I think the fever output from in Tasmania was very lacklustre. Um, what? and you know, if you uh, I mean, and we'll discuss this when we get to the Vixens, also very lacklustre, but you can't get some energy at this point in the season to like, what, what how are you going to pull it together for next week?
1: Yeah, I think it's a, a real concern. And I mean, the only comfort might be that their opponents didn't exactly show a zest either. Um, there was a little bit more fight, but not a lot from the Vixens, as we'll get to later. But I think this is not the way that Dan Ryan would have wanted to end the season. I think he would have loved to have yeah. really gone out and done the same thing that they did to the Mariposa early on in the year. But it wasn't to be, and they'll regroup. But we did have a pretty good game up in Queensland to... Um, end of the season for both these Queensland teams
0: yeah I mean this was wild I did not get to watch this live or even close to the weekend but um I sort of knew that outcome of the game and then I'm sitting there finally watching the game at halftime and I'm like what the what like five and Uh, lightning are just, you know, a bit lost all over court. I'm like, what am I? What is going to happen in the second half? <laughs> and, and then bloody watching the third quarter. Oh my god! I thought we were about to see our first overtime because I forgot that it was the third quarter, and not the fourth quarter. As Kara coded levels <laughs> levels the level scores at three quarter time. I'm still. <laughs>
1: Uh, can you imagine if we had extra time at the end of every quarter that was level like you had to play an extra five minutes just to decide like I thought I was there with
0: the game I was like why is Kara over going for the one (laughs) Uh, um,
1: you do also have some tactical insights by the look of the rundown um, (laughs) and things that you took out of it and perhaps some other news you'd like to share with the team
0: Yes, I mean, we've talked off air about my various crushes, <laughs> but Belinda um, Reynolds just continues to shine in my world and she is my unexpected coach crush. I really thought that this season was all going to be about Beck Bully and, um, well, Sarah Frances Bayman, Sarah Bayman Frances. <laughs> Um, and it's and you know we talked about Coach of the Year Tracy Neville <coughs> sorry Tanya Obst being a front runner for that uh, <laughs> but I think it should be Belinda Riddle it's like I think this team that we have seen come from ten down to take that game to win by six to I think they pushed it out to ten or nine at one point as well and um, Wollum sunk some two pointers. Late in the last quarter to close the margin um what like it, that's phenomenal like that is phenomenal coaching that is going on there and a team that yeah is on it's like seventh acl and <laughs> i
1: was gonna say they're about their fourth wing defense now yeah.
0: <laughs> and a team that was not signed by this coach and she's worked a phenomenal a phenomenal job i like i am as again, again, as was read out on my behalf last episode, like so excited and terrified to see what Belinda will do next.
1: Yeah, and I think we got a little flash of it in the last few minutes when we had the <laughs> Irvin at goal defence, Pretorius at wing defence, Conan at goal attack, and Wood at goal shooter. I don't anticipate we see the same lineup ever again for the Lightning, but. The idea of seeing Pretorius further up the court and seeing Conan further up the court around some young, talented bookends is a very exciting prospect, especially when you think about how much exciting young talent there is on the Lightning roster at the moment. And we talked this week about they are easily one of the top two young cores, possibly, you know, at the top, but definitely they've got as much talent as anyone for the future and if they can keep it, which of course is very much up in the air at the moment, given the CPA and the fact that this coach didn't sign them. But there is definitely some potential there if Belinda has found the players she wants. And if she hasn't, I am so excited to see what happens when she does have the players she wants. Because if this is what she can do with players she doesn't want, what is she going to do when they're tailor-made? And of course, yeah. to finish off the round, to finish off the, or did you? To finish off the home and away season. Sorry,
0: right, yes, Daniel, off... I, I do want to talk about the five ends.
1: Yes. Okay. Let's hear it. <laughs> um. Uh,
0: yeah. I mean, I think I. On the flip side to Belinda Reynolds, I think Beck Bully needs to do some off-season. You know. Yeah, and also just in terms of the the culture at Firebirds, or the communication at Firebirds, or the way to connect with the players in between quarters. Because to be up by ten, lose the thread of that, and just not really be able to see to get to solicit from her players the oomph needed to really challenge Lightning on the way to the end of this game is concerning. Like, I really don't think I saw the players respond to Beck Bully with gumption and excitement in the second half. Um, And I think potentially that was exacerbated by benching Danelle Wallum when she was forced to go off in the third quarter, I think it was. Um, You know, it was... Phenomenal to see Lightning score eleven goals to five-eds two in that time Wallam was forced to the bench. So in the last quarter, when Lightning are surging ahead to actually bench Wollum, Uh I mean, I just I just don't know about that, and I don't know that that worked for the team, and I don't think the team responded when be- Beck Pooley pulled that final time out to try and get them to respond. So there's something something in the water there that needs to be fixed.
1: Yeah, I think the Firebirds are at the top of my list for teams that have introspection for this off-season. I don't know what they look like. I don't know what the future looks like. And if I'm honest, I don't think they do either. And that's okay when you've got everyone coming off contract, but you've got a coach signed there for a long time now. Um, And that means that you need to work out you know is it this playing group is it the coach but there's a disconnect and given that you've got this coach signed for another three seasons you need to work it out soon
0: yeah and again i mean to be you know it's so interesting to sort of compare the lightning and firebirds narratives again beck bully was a coach that came in to a team that had already been signed it's not a team that she's been able to bring together um Potentially, when she if she can attract the players she wants to attract, and then build them over the next three years, it could be a very different story. But um, you know, I do think it's very interesting to sort of compare what what's happened on court and what response we're seeing to two very different coaches with their non tailor made uh, setups.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Any final notes on this match? Or do we want to wrap up the regular season in style?
0: Uh, I will now allow you to go to the final game.
1: <laughs> so we are going to wrap up the regular season. We are going to wrap up this round. We're going to wrap up the Giants' season and we're wrapping up April Bradley's career because the giants, they did it again. They, they stole a match that they didn't look like they were going to um, on the back of, the most deafening crowd I have heard this year. And believe me, I have left Ken Rosewell arena with re ears a number of times, although it may have been the brass band walking around at halftime this week, (laughs) (laughs) but with a massive home crowd, um, the giants did it. Joe Harton looked the best she's looked in 15 months, 18 months. Um, She and Joe Weston almost came to blows leading into halftime. And uh, I think one of the notes that I had is that we talk about Sophie Dwyer as a bit of an ice queen and how she looks like nothing phases her, but we've seen a few times this year that her shooting kind of deserts her late in games. And that's an issue for a 21 year old. It's an issue for a future goal attack of the Diamonds and uh, someone who you're kind of building your team around, I think, and hopefully it's something that they look at over the off-season. When I asked Julie Fitzgerald about it, she was not phased and brushed it off, but I imagine that's the answer she gives to the media and not the answer she gives in video review.
0: Yeah, and I think, you know, there were points in this game where we saw a very different Julie to who we normally see um you know on the sidelines I think she absolutely obviously wanted to steal one more win than for the season obviously but um yeah I think there were almost visible signs of frustration from her (laughs) at points (laughs) Um, which is very unusual
1: you think that's unusual for Julie yeah it's just because like so so I get to watch her on the sidelines about half the season and I would say that she's more animated than most of the coaches. It's been at all. Well, she's very quick to express her frustration and displeasure. And maybe it's just not getting caught on camera. But
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> she is very happy. It's really she's one of the coaches, so I think he's most happy to get up into that box that they've got and explain to her players what she wants. And, you know, use her hands and call them over to the sidelines while the ball's at the other end of the court and Like step them through exactly what she wants. She's really animated on the sidelines. She's a real teacher and a real coach. That's so interesting for the timeline. She'll like you know. I reckon at least twice a match she'll call like a Tilly McDonald or a Lauren Moore or a Joe Hart and even to the sideline and be like, you know, come here, look at my hands as I show you exactly you know the movement I want you to make. So I think it's interesting that you think. These signs of frustration were unusual because for me, like that's it, it's a regular Sunday almost.
0: Oh my gosh. All right, I'm gonna have to go back and re-watch Giants Games because I don't get that impression at all. I mean, I think most of the time it is, yeah, you see the timeouts in the between quarters and it's just Coach Joe running the show. <laughs> um and, and Julie's just like. Yeah, I said my two sentences, off you go. So.
1: <laughs> that's often why, because she's she yeah. said what she wanted to say already. The players don't need yeah. to hear it again. Interesting,
0: interesting.
1: Um, and we also was, saw sorry, sorry, a,
0: resurgence of Joe to goal attack, which was also a fun little tidbit throughout the game.
1: That was. Pre- that's the first time we've ever seen the Joe and Tease circle.
0: Yeah.
1: It's happening. Yeah. I
0: don't know that I would suggest we see it again. Um, but
1: <laughs> it
0: mixed mixed things up for a couple of minutes, gave Sophie Dwyer a break. Um, she needed it. She needed it, yes, absolutely. I Yeah, it's been very interesting. I do wonder if maybe the start of the season really weighed on Sophie a bit. She has been, you know, she has really come onto the court under immense pressure for a lot of her career when she you know first stepped up when Kira Austin did her ACL when Kira was at the Giants and then that was the season the Giants went to the grand final if I recall correctly um you know then has been touring with the Diamonds like it's a lot it's a lot to go through at you know 20 it's a lot to carry at 20 and then the start of this season with Harden Coach Joe, Captain Joe, being sidelined for a fair bit to be that, you know, player that has to be the leader in that circle, I mean, that's it's a fair amount for a young person to carry and, you know, maybe she'll go away and get some actual rest in the off-season and come back and blast us all out of the water.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, I don't recall the last time that a 21-year-old was the senior member of the goal circle. You know, it's one thing to be forced to step up in a big way. It's another thing to be the one doing the dragging. Hmm. You know, you're the one who's going to bring everyone else up with you, not just make the step yourself. And and I do wonder if that weighed hard. and you know, Hopefully she does get a bit of a break over the off season. Um, But yeah, and it, I think it was a nice way for the Giants to send off April Branley in style. They did a fantastic job of celebrating her after the match with the Guard of Honor, before the match with the reveal of her dresses throughout her career, which you can find on giant social media, which might be my favourite bit of netball social media this year.
0: I also enjoyed the various fans manifesting like people in certain dresses as the next step for them. So you know, Amy Parmenter being in a Swift
1: dress. (laughs) I mean, I knew this trade period was going to be spicy, but if Amy Parmenter goes to the Swifts, that is a level of spicy that I like, that's like multiple habaneros on the scale. (laughs) (laughs) With that, the over a third podcast wraps up the regular season. Wow. I can't it. both went really really fast and feels like it's been a massive season
0: mm-hmm.
1: it has gone in a flash like, I can't believe we're already sitting here talking about finals but also I can't remember a time where we weren't talking about the regular season oh
0: uh, yeah I mean what what um what a wild ride that's that's I mean, my
1: first you've only been here nine weeks of it so like <laughs>
0: Ah, Rude. I tried. (laughs) Um, and I've been invaluable.
1: Without a doubt, Steph. Without a doubt, this podcast doesn't exist without you at this point. Let's be really clear: you and Ariana are invaluable to the team, both together and individually. Let's be real clear. (laughs) Oh.
0: Um,
1: as much as we are not here to pump up Steph and Ariana's tyres, we should talk about some finals. Yeah. And I want to start with the grand final rematch first before we talk about the other rematch, because I think that's the game that is probably going to be sidelined for a lot of people. I think, obviously, 1v2 is the big shiny matchup. It's at Kudos Bank Arena, which is big. But we've got a grand final rematch here. And it's a winner-take-all, loser-goes-home match. It's a pretty big deal.
0: Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's that's essentially what the Grand Final was last year, anyway. But uh,
1: <laughs> I think uh, in both cases, you, you go home after the Grand Final.
0: <laughs> that's true. That's true. Um, and I think also, you know, as we've discussed the last couple of weeks, two teams that aren't really firing on all cylinders at the moment. I really do yeah. think it's one's game. Um, mostly the
1: Vixens, but... um... It's true. I think both teams are, in a way, limping across the line. But both teams have not had great mid-court years. Alice T. Neild has been great. But other than that, the mid-quarters haven't really stood out. I think that's going to be the key this weekend, whoever stands up. And there's an element to the coaching there because... How they each of these coaches builds their midcourt, whether it's a Jess Ansless, Verity Simmons, Alice Tigneal line, or whether Dan Ryan brings one of his circle defenders out to wing defense and puts Verity or Jess on the bench. It will be really interesting. And on the flip side, I think we've seen Simone's best mid-court is the Hannah Liz Kate lineup. And yet, we very rarely see that to start the game.
0: Yeah, and I think I think it'll be very interesting as well because, you know, Jess Anstice versus Liz Watson is a pretty spicy matchup. That Jess comes away with winning that not infrequently. I think she can really yeah. unpick Liz's game a little bit. So, um, yeah, does Simone sort of take that? initiative and and start Liz with cent- in centre and Hannah and we attack to really change it up and unleash Hannah across that transverse line. Yeah,
1: it'll be really interesting to see. And I think this is as much as the other game, this is all four of these teams it's a match-up of the coaches as well. Um, mm-hmm. I think we've got some of the best coaches in Super Netball going up against each other and definitely some of the best tacticians, you know, we talk about Belinda Reynolds and we talk about Nicole Richardson as great coaches and Julie Fitzgerald, but at their core, I think Nicole Richardson and Julie Fitz in particular are teachers. They're not necessarily tacticians that they'll throw you something that you haven't seen, but they'll train their players to do the basics at a really high level. Whereas Ryan and McInnes and Akel and Obst are tacticians. They'll throw the bibs in the air. They'll show you something you haven't seen before. Uh, it, it's taken at different times. They've taken everyone by storm. And I'm wondering who's going to have the last laugh over the next few weeks.
0: Tanya Obst, Tactician's Guide to Fruit Salad. Hashtag throwback.
1: Say um. what you want about it. <laughs> and I think actually the term you used was salad mix. quietly. <laughs> But on the weekend, she did it, and it worked.
0: It's true. It's true. Salad
1: with <laughs> to roost. It was delicious on the weekend. <laughs> Gourmet, even.
0: There was some camembert, some
1: brie. <laughs> I think it's really interesting that you picked out the Chess Havster's Liz Watson matchup as, like, one of the keys for, for what happens. And, and I think it it's one that probably flies under the radar is, Jess Anstas probably does. Unless you listen to Mad Chatter, you probably don't think of her as a kind of super netball heavyweight, but she she absolutely can take the names of some of the best wing attacks in the competition. But for me, it's really hard to go past the Courtney Bruce versus Kira Austin matchup. That's diamond on diamond. It's one where both players have the ability to, to really. Test themselves. And the reason I, I know that they don't necessarily play opposite positions because Courtney Bruce spends most of her time in keeper and Arsenal call attack, but these are both circles that show plenty of versatility in how they pull their matchups on the day. We've seen the Fever particularly be happy to isolate Ariang back in the circle and have Courtney Bruce up towards the transverse line working on whoever's coming through. I wouldn't be surprised if Dan Ryan did that because. Kira Austin can struggle a little bit if you get into her physically. Courtney Bruce loves that.
0: Yeah, I was just gonna say, I think it'll be very interesting to see if there's that um additional physicality as a key tactic that um Beaver deploy against Kira because if you wear her down, Vixens also don't have an option. I mean, Kim Borgia, lovely it's not human. A goal attack. Goal well, shooter, sure,
1: but not a goal attack.
0: Yeah. So what are you going to do? What are you going to do if Kira's just needing a nap?
1: On the flip side, Joe Weston almost came to blows with Joe Harton, and she could very well try and get under Jessica, uh, Sasha Glasgow's this weekend as well.
0: Take out all the Rose's goal
1: attacks. <laughs> we are not wishing ill or harm on anyone.
0: No, <laughs> it's of
1: course so clear. not. <laughs> and then
0: a prediction that Vixens will win and Swiss will lose. <laughs>
1: <laughs> to kick off the weekend, we do have the rematch of last weekend, Swiss v Thunderbirds, and that's a winner goes to the grand final. Loser gets to host next weekend. It's going to be at Kudos Bank Arena, and I think that's a really big deal for two things. One, um, players won't be warming up in puffy jackets like they do at Canberra's Arena and. Two, there are 21,000 seats at Kudos Bank Arena. That is not just a big crowd, that is massive. And I think there's a fair chance it is quite full. The Diamonds had about fourteen or 15,000 there last year. The Swifts are a chance to to get there. They've had 10,000 or close to it for about five matches this year. So with a final on the line, there's a, a chance that It's a very loud game and, you know, I I really enjoyed watching the matchup last week of the T-Birds defensive circle against the Swifts attacking circle. And I'm really looking forward to that again this weekend and to see what people have learned since last time.
0: And I mean, it's very feasible that in another fortnight after that, we see this matchup again. So who is, yeah, as you suggested earlier, how many cards are being thrown onto court to win this game um, versus to play potentially the longer game. Um,
1: I think this weekend you showed more cards. I think last weekend you were right to keep your cards close to your chest, but if you win this weekend, you get a whole week to develop your cards without even worrying about your opponent yet. You get a whole week to focus on your team because your opponent still has to learn another opponent first.
0: Yes, though that historically has not always been the path to success for winning the grand final. I think uh, historically in Suncorp Super Netball, more often the team that goes through the prelim final into the final ends up winning. I think Fever bucked that trend last year.
1: The Swiss did as well in 2021. So it's two years in a row that the team with the prelim final and that might just be a coincidence that it's two years in a row. I think also that last year, the Fever were the best team in the competition by a shot and it wasn't going to matter how rested, how well prepared you were. That was a juggernaut.
0: Yes. <laughs> Maybe. Um, I still live in denial. Um. <laughs>
1: you think the Vixens bottled the grand final last year? Is that what you're implying?
0: They're playing the long game. They're playing
1: the long game. The long game. The premiership (laughs) in 2029.
0: Really long game.
1: (laughs) I think you're right, though. It will be good to see whether the coaches show their cards a bit more this weekend. You're not fighting for your life, but also you don't really want to have to play an extra game if you can avoid it, especially as you are going to have to travel for the grand final. Whoever wins this match is not hosting the grand final. Like in previous, it will be at John Can Arena. And um, that's probably also something that comes into consideration because you don't get the same, like, well, we'll be at home for two weeks, hmm. but also you don't then have to play again next weekend if you win.
0: Also a very interesting consideration of when fans might buy tickets and how many fans you'll actually have in the house come grand final
1: yeah i don't think that's factoring into coach decision making no. i don't think they're thinking in their tactics of playing <laughs> cards b and c and d oh but i could have extra fads at the grand final.
0: that eighth player we hear about it a lot on commentary that eighth player
1: i don't think it applies on grand final day <laughs> But fun, interesting,
0: fun. Two games ahead.
1: Yeah. Well, I think fun. Four games. I think all four games that we've got left this season are going to be great. Two good ones to kick off the weekend, and um, we'll see how we go from there. Um, Now, Steph, we haven't done tips for much of the season, but I'm going to make you tip this. Who's winning? And by how much? Like. A little or a lot. You don't have to give me a number, just like a little or a lot.
0: Oh, okay. Um, Vixen's by two. Okay. And Swifts by one.
1: Four. So you're tipping that a lot of Netball fans are going to need to see their cardiologist on Monday.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, book it in now. <laughs> book it in. <laughs> <Departments> now. <laughs> uh. Yeah, I enough. think. Yeah, I think we'll see a kind of resurgence of the Swifts winning by one in the last moments. Um, I think the T-Birds um, are impressive, but the finals is a whole new ball game and a whole new level of mentality. That are mm, yeah, well, t- I'm not 100 percent sure they're there yet. Um, well, it's
1: it's interesting because how look at this and there is one. T-Birds player who has one game of Super Superdeptor Finals experience.
0: That's Matilda Garrett.
1: It is. Yeah. For Collingwood.
0: For Collingwood.
1: Whereas the Swifts have one player on their roster who hasn't played in the final. And she's only temporarily elevated until Ali Smith comes back.
0: And Ayongi, She's in the team?
1: Well, Iongi, or well, she was the only one up. Well I, I mean, we expect Hi OSncy do that. she was my understanding is that she was pulled last week um, because it was a game with nothing on the line and that had it been a final, she would likely have played. and so it, yeah. it, we expect her to be back this weekend. And so at most the Swiss have one player without finals experience. I think between them it's something like 24 Premierships. Versus the twenty-four odd minutes of finals experience the T-Birds have. Yeah, uh, we'll see if that plays a factor this weekend.
0: Definitely. I mean, not to discount a silver medal from Latanya Wilson and Shamira Sterling, and um, going, what was it, twenty-two games undefeated with Manchester Thunder last year that El Caldwell did. Eleanor Cardwell achieved. Um, but, yes, Suncorp Super Netball is a different game. It's the best in the world. Definitely, with the
1: Comm game is final, I think. I think that's a fair yeah. equivalent.
0: Yeah.
1: <sighs> um, But it's going to be a cauldron like that. You know, there's yeah. going to be 10, 12, 14, 16,000 fans there, and they're not going to be T-Bird supporters.
0: <laughs> Whereas- what are you on?
1: In the oh. Kong Games final, they definitely weren't Australian supporters, so mm. they weren't <laughs> by that virtue Sunshine Girls fans. <laughs> uh this weekend I'm tipping the Swifts by four and the Fever by Nine. I think no, we're I get this one out. Oh
0: my lord. No. You're wrong. <laughs>
1: Well, we'll see. We'll (laughs) uh, find out after the weekend. But Steph, if people want to congratulate you on your successful tips this weekend or tell you about their second memberships, where can they find you?
0: Uh, At Steph, S t e p h a r i a r a on all major social media.
1: If you want to tell me why I'm wrong, I am at decouple wherever you get your social media fix. We are the over a third pod team. Um, we are at over a third pod on Instagram and Twitter. Um, you can find us at over a third podcast on Spotify, Apple, or anywhere else that you get your podcasts. And if you are listening on a podcast platform, we'd love if you gave us a five-star rating and a subscribe. Um, we are part of the edge of the crowd network, which means that you can find all of our work on EdgeoftheCrowd.com or at edge of the crowd on social media sites. Um, And in the meantime, we hope you enjoyed this weekend's finals matches. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.